me give a message on this scripture during a service of death and resurrection. But today we're going to look at it a little different and see it for what it means for us today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointeth my head with oil. My cup overfloweth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up the scripture that we may grow in faith and grace, that we may abide. Let us understand that the journey, the path that we are on is a path that leads to one destination. We are on this journey together. No matter where we may be, no matter the sun high in the sky, are low on the horizon. You're guiding us towards this moment of consummation and truth. Lord, let us know that we indeed are going in the same direction. In Jesus' holy sweet name we pray, amen. For those of you that have been to my office above the door, there's, um, there's a big board that says, the Lord is my shepherd. When I first got here, I had that attached uh, right above the door, so no matter, uh, as I go in and out, I'm reminded that God indeed has provided us a shepherd to help us on the way. One of the biggest lessons of life, kids, is realizing you can't do it alone. There's points we think we can do it alone. We think we are it. We're able to reach the other side on our own. We're able to carry the load by ourselves. We're able to make the journey complete. But the truth is we need God. And we need more importantly in the sense of God's created son, we need Jesus. Because Jesus gives us power to make the journey that is ahead. So when the scripture says the Lord is my shepherd, it is saying that the Lord not only has made me, but now he is leading me from a certain place to another place. My whole life has been in journey. My father, of course, was at Lewisburg pastoring the church when I was born back in 1962, son of an itinerant minister, and I've lived all over the state of North Carolina. I could break down anywhere in eastern North Carolina and be able to call someone to come pick me up local because I've lived about everywhere with my father moving and pastoring different places. I've been in different uh, school systems. I know what it means to pack up and to go. I also know what it means to come and to arrive and to stay. And I like the staying better than the go, because the going gets hard after a while. Because you go and every time you go, a part of you is left no matter where you've been. Life is indeed a journey. It was a revelation about two years ago when I saw the scientific image of the universe that was shown in three dimensions. And it was a movie, actually, and it was showing the universe not as a static uh, just map where stars were all across the sky that you may see in a planetarium even in three dimensions, but indeed the universe was like a spiral moving in a direction. The universe is constantly in motion. 
In fact, when I redesigned and rethought how I believed in God to try to come closer to Jesus, the first law that I came up with for myself is everything is in motion. In fact, the article the other day said everything we know is in motion. We're in motion right now. Even though we think we're in one place, we're sitting in one pew, we're at a certain point that is fixed. The truth is the earth is moving beneath our feet and the solar system is moving around us and the galaxy and the universe. We are speeding through space and time even now. So we need a shepherd to guide us because we need to find the right path. Because when you've been on the wrong path, you know it, and you don't want to go back down that wrong path because that wrong path will lead you to sin and death. But our Lord is our shepherd. And then he starts out, the psalmist David says, I shall not be in want, I shall not want. Now, that troubled me when I was a younger man because the idea that somehow I'm complacent, somehow I'm satisfied, I'm not satisfied, I'm not complacent. I'm eager, I'm hungry, I want there to be a life that's worth living. I don't want to just sit on the sidelines and watch life unfold around me. I want to be in the middle of it. And that troubled me when I was a boy, when I heard my father preach this sermon about the Lord as our shepherd. And he says, I shall not be in want. And now what does that actually mean? It's taken years for me to understand what it means. It means that God knows the difference between our needs, and our wants. He knows the difference between what we should have, what we could have, and what we have. God knows what we truly need, and he knows what we want, and our God provides. That's what this means, is that he gives us this hope. And how does he do that? He restores us. It says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores. In other words, God takes us to places that help us to be restored, that help us to be energized, to help us to feel loved, to be loved, to see the world in a better place. And we need that. There's times that we, we are just down on our luck and we're down on ourselves and we feel bad about circumstances. I think our nation needs to be restored right now. I think America has been beat up pretty bad because the things we have believed in seemingly are not able to lift us up and people we have trusted have betrayed us and as a nation we're struggling with a moral compass of where to go and what to do. We need to be restored. And God is providing this as our shepherd. And how he does that is he makes us lie down in green pastures. In other words, he's saying, you need to eat what I'm providing you. As you know, the sheep, it goes to a pasture to graze, to eat. And God sometimes makes us eat what's good for us. Now, of course, my mother used to think that was some type of green vegetable that was good for me. And as you know, I'm a chicken and I'm a potato man. I'm not much of the leafy rabbit food, you know. I only eat rabbit food when I need to lose some weight. You know how it is. I know one of you do because we talked about it earlier. See, God, he forces us for our own sake to lie down in green pastures. He does what we need so that we can be filled. 
and he leads us beside the still waters. I can tell you right now, it may be exciting to be in a storm, but you don't want to be there. When Hurricane Irene rolled through the Outer Banks and I was out there at the church and out at the parsonage and trying to ride out the storm and the winds are starting to blow and they're starting to howl and that house is making noise out of some horror movie and I'm wondering if it's all going to blow away and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I would give anything right now to hear some quiet because we need to hear some quiet every now and then. Now, some of us are privileged to have a man cave, a place of quiet, and some of us, we have, I guess, a woman cave, a place of quiet, and we children, we sometimes have our own room, which is a place of quiet. Now, when I was a younger person, when we moved around, we didn't often have a single room. Me and my brother shared a room, and he was not a quiet person. He had a Pioneer radio station, you know. He listened to the stereo. He liked the Eagles, and he played it as loud as he could. And I would say, I just want some quiet, and I would try to go find a quiet place. But it's hard to do when there's so much noise, and there's so much noise right now in the world. We need a place that's quiet, and we need a place that's peaceful. We need a place that we can be fed. And God, he restores us by giving us these things. He does not leave us hungry. He does not need, uh, just, he does not leave us in need. He gives us what we need. And that's how the journey starts. The journey doesn't start with us without, it starts with us with. And that's the amazing thing of the Christian faith. It starts with the with, not the without. I'm not saying to you today, come to Christ because you're, you're, you're somehow not able to see the truth. I'm saying the truth is here and it is free. I want to offer Christ now because I want you to start this journey with the Lord. You know what Christians were called in the early days? In the very first days of the movement, we were called followers of the way. The way is what we were called, people of a journey. Because we believe in a journey. We believe life is a journey. We believe from the point we're born to the point that we leave this earth, we are going somewhere. And I can tell you, our destiny is not a tomb. It is not a grave. It is not a hole in the ground in which we're buried, and that's all there is. Our destiny is far greater, far more. And God provides us a journey where we are with the Lord. We're following the Lord. That's what it means when it says the Lord is my shepherd. It means that we don't get ahead of the Lord. We let the Lord do the leading and we do the following. Oh, but we have a rebellious generation now. Everybody wants to be the captain. Everybody wants to be the boss. Everybody wants to be the number one. Nothing worse than a whole bunch of people sitting around thinking they're number one. Because the truth is, number one is not always cut out to be. Number one usually means that there's a number two and there's a number three who are looking for your position. Number one means you have more responsibility. Number one means that there's somebody always looking out for you and watching you. Number one means you got the pressure of all the others. Number one, I tell you the truth, it's tough being number one. You've heard of alpha males. You know, every team got the alpha male, that's the big male that steps up and says, I'll take the ball, I'll run with the ball. You know, they, they the alpha male. When I was a young boy, I learned the power of being the beta male. <laughs> alpha, beta, gamma, delta, you know, the Greek alphabet. The secret of being the beta male is that you don't get hit as much as the alpha male. 
You get to run around, do your own thing, and then if anybody's got a problem, go see the alpha male. Don't see me because I'm just a beta male. I'm just here to help. And that's what I did. I played that role. Even in college, I was vice president of the student government. Not president. My friend, Ken Hall, was president. Ken Hall, big old boy from Tennessee, big old boy. He could take hits. You got a problem? See Ken Hall. Don't see me. I'm just a vice president, you know. You remember Dan Quayle used to be vice president. He couldn't even spell potato. He never got into any trouble. You know, vice presidents. And we got a wonderful vice president now who's being attacked because he happens to be a Christian, and that is the truth. See, see, the Lord is the alpha male, <laughs> or the alpha female, if you want to look at it in the total picture. The Lord is leading the charge. The Lord is the shepherd. The shepherd is not a sheep. Is a different species. The shepherd is a human. The sheep is an animal. And we're being described in this sense not as an animal, but as the created children of God and that Jesus is the one who is guiding us. Let Jesus fight the battles in your life because you will have them and you are having them right now. Let him restore you because the shepherd wasn't a passive person. In the old days, the shepherd was really a hired guard. They were a gun. They were someone to protect. And they had to fend off not only the wolves, but the, uh, but the lions and the other creatures and the thieves that come in the night. The shepherd is actively engaged. I guarantee you that if it weren't for the shepherd in your life, the devil would already be in your house. He would be wreaking havoc with your family. He'd be destroying your confidence. He'd be making you less because that's what the devil does. But the Lord is our shepherd and he restores us. And he also does this. He provides for us. Now, restoring us means that he feeds us and he takes care of us. It's like Maslow's, you know, just hierarchy of needs that God provides for us. That's what parents are supposed to do. You know, parents are just supposed to provide. They're supposed to provide shelter because we need shelter. They're supposed to provide food because they need food. See, the Lord provides and we're not in want. He provides everything we need. What do we actually need that we don't have? Oh, somebody would say, I'd like to have this and I'd like to have that. The truth is the Lord's already given you everything. I'll tell you a little secret. Not everybody can, you know, understand or take hold of this secret, but, and if any of you do it, then I'm gonna call on you I know the way to become a trillionaire now. It's uncome to me. One of these other moments, you know, Jerome has. Oh, you know, the billionaires like, uh, you know, Jobs and Gates and all those. That were my peers, my age group. Actually, the average age of those that died on 9-11 are my age. 55. The ones that built the Internet. Not Al Gore, but my generation built the Internet. Uh, if you want to become a trillionaire... Learn quantum physics and augmented reality. That's where the trillionaires will come because they are able to create things that are so fast and so smart, able to create a world that's a layer on top of this world. The world is going to massively change in just a few years. So if any of you decide to become a physicist uh, with quantum theory and become an augmented reality programmer, and you make a trillion dollars, I'm gonna call you so we can share some you know, resources together and you can write a big check. 
And here's the thing that I learned in that the other day, is that this great scientist, he said that everything is energy. And I agree with that, everything is energy. Some of it's bottled up. <laughs> but the truth is, we have a lot of energy. We're, we're constantly in motion. Our molecules, our, our bodies are in motion. We are energy. But he also said the reality is in quantum physics, it's not real until you believe it or think about it, and your imagination becomes the reality. And I was thinking to myself, that sounds no more than like faith. What we are offering every Sunday. Our God is saying to us, can you imagine what I have in store for you? You know, the great hymn, Imagine Heaven. Imagine God in his infinite mercy, all the wonderful things. See, God is creating within us the ability to see through the veil. Now, the second part this provides is where, indeed, the psalmist David is taking us on the path and shows us that the journey has some pitfalls. It has some moments that are hard. It has some moments that are tough. It's described in the King James that I read as the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, our journey is not an easy go, that there's hard things that are ahead. If you'd have told me that I'd be 55 years old and I'd be not only here, but I would have said goodbye to my parents and my grandparents and my children now would be around the world and I would be an older person and, 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 and it would be a world that it is, I, I just wouldn't have believed it. It's not that it's a bad world, it's a good world, but I've been through some trials and some tribulations, just as you have been. And God has guided me as I've gone through this path, this path that darkness surrounds me on every side, and you have too. We have been through this valley, and it says that God will make it where we fear no evil. There's something fundamentally broke with a culture where children barricade the door. And a silly society tries to blame a political reality instead of what it truly is. They said the other day on the National Walkout Day, down in Florida, they heard the explosion of a shotgun. The boy, he shot through the door. The pellet, it hit a boy inside, and the teacher started barricading the door, and there was another shooter. You probably read this story. It wounded the boy in the ankle from the shotgun blast. And then the teacher that was next door stepped out and saw the student who was a former student. And she started talking to him. And he laid down the gun. And he laid down the other weapons that he had. He had a knife and some other weapons. And he said, I don't want to be doing this. And she was telling him, you don't want to be doing this. You need to lay it down. And he lays it down. And she talked to him. She's being called a hero now, this teacher, this regular, wonderful teacher, stepped out in harm's way, and she talked to the boy, and instead of hiding or running away, the security officer came towards the fire, which is what a true soldier always does, and they took the boy into custody. And he said, I just, I'm having problems. And she said he came from an abusive home. She knew something about him. And she knew if she just talked to him, it wouldn't end in a tragedy. See, sisters and brothers, there is hope. We may not think there's hope, but the devil's trying to get us to believe that. 
He's trying to say the real place you're bound for is here in the valley. The real place you're supposed to be is sin and death. He's saying to us, you just need to give up. You just need to hang it up. You just need to just stop worrying about it and give into it and become one of the walking dead. I ain't never watching that show. Y'all don't be watching that show either. No, 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 no. I catch anybody watching that show, you're in trouble. You don't need to be watching that show. Oh, I ain't going to say nothing else because there's some guilty parties and I'm not saying who. I can see it. It's like a shadow in light. Sisters and brothers, this church is not about, uh, you know, punishment. I told Leona the other day, you know, last Sunday, I didn't get on sin hard enough. I wanted to, but there was a visitor that was here with my daughter, and I didn't really get on it as much as I should have, and I should have gotten on it more. Somebody told me I was lit up on Easter. They said, what happened to you on Easter? And I'm still trying to figure out what it is. I done listened to it a few times, trying to figure out where the energy is, and the energy came from sin. Because a preacher can't preach about sin, they can't preach, well, this is about sin. See, this valley of death is a place of sin and death. Jesus conquered two things by his resurrection, sin and death. He overcame the sin that keeps us from heaven, and he overcame the death that stops us from heaven. See, Christ has won the victory. He's made it where we're no longer captive to sin. The world is captive to sin. The world lives in the valley of the shadow of death. The world only knows death. Syria is not only a country. Syria is the world. You look at your history books. I'm a history major. Everything in history is measured from one war to another war to another war. And we are going to a place where there's no more war. And the truth is people are at war with God. God and they're at war with God because God is showing them the way and they don't want to go on his path. They want to go on their own path. See, see, I tell you, you can light up when you talk about sin because sin's a lively conversation. I watched a video the other day. I try not to do that, but I did. It was called the Morality Police in Iran. Did y'all see that video, Morality Police? There was a woman walking down the sidewalk in Iran, and she was wearing her veil, which is part of their religious tradition. And the morality police came up. They were three or four women that were dressed in all the things. They were completely covered up, and they chased this poor woman down the sidewalk, and they were wrapping the veil she had loosely put on her head to try to make it where it was properly attached to her head. They were the morality police. I think we got the immorality police in America right now. We got the Kardashians and everybody else telling us how to live. We have people that are saying that it's good to sin and it's good to be a bad guy. And we made it where it's no longer a white hat and a black hat in the Western. We made it where they all wear gray and it's shades and people are confused and they don't know the difference between right and wrong. But I tell you, our God does. And our God is tired of us turning our backs on his way, his teaching. And there's less of us on this path than there used to be. So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I fear no evil for you are with me. And why is God with us to comfort us, but also to have the rod and the staff? Now the rod and the staff were weapons. They were used not just to help the shepherd, but they were used to guide the sheep and they were used to defend against the wolves and the evil. 
And the truth is our God reigns. He is defending us. So if you're trying to build a home, he's putting a hedgerow of protection around it. If you're trying to live a life, he's putting a hedgerow of protection around it. If you're going on a surgery table, he's put a hedgerow of protection around it. He wants you to be safe. He's guiding you. He's protecting you. He's helping us to be able to make this journey because he wants us to get out of this valley. He wants us to get out of this valley. Every one of them, they all promise a new day. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to see the light. And I pray the day comes we'll see the light as the people. But we won't see the light until we leave the valley. And I think it's going to come as a revolution across this land. People are going to get sick and tired of all the brokenness and the negativity that's been going on that's beating people down. We got it now that young people having to march to even make their voice heard. What is wrong with America? Since when do we call on our children to protect us? It's time for us to stand up and fear no evil and let the Lord fight our battles and say we can overcome because God is on our side. If he be with us, who can be against us? He provides everything we need. He gives us the helmet of salvation. He gives us the breastplate of righteousness. He gives us the sword of truth. And he says, you make a stand and you do what is just what is best in the kingdom. See, God provides, but he not only provides, he has prepared something for us. So life isn't about just a battle. I've, as you know, in 32 years of ministry, I would, I've been with people through lots of things, through battles with cancer, heart disease, I've seen people battle with unbelievable strength. I've seen some battle with never saying a word of complaint. Every day, even though they were growing weaker, their faith was growing stronger. I remember one young man who was dying of cancer. I ministered to him, and we used the Lord's Prayer as the way we would start every conversation and end every conversation. And I watched him as even though his body was growing weaker, his faith was growing stronger. And I saw that he was in this valley, and he was overcoming. And he was overcoming because of one thing, of where the journey is leading us and it's better than where we come from. See, there, this whole battle, this whole conversation, there's no purpose of a creation, there's no need of a God, it all existed, no scientific need of anything of a higher power, there doesn't need to be a great intellect that's guiding everything, this could all be a simulation. I've read it all. Where, where, is, where is hope? Where is hope? That would be like on the first game of the season, the coach going, boys, you're just not good enough, and nothing I can do can help you. you you're pitiful. So, so we just need to just go out there and just put on your uniform, wear your shirt tail out. Let's just go out there. And frankly, uh, I just, I don't know. See, where's the hope? I've never had a coach like that. Most of them. <laughs> We could be down 40 to nothing like we were to South Johnson and Coach Farrell still thought we could win. I don't know how he thought that. I asked the boys next to me, there ain't no way we're coming back. Those boys are beating the tar out of us. 
Coach Farrell's a screaming and Coach Bell's going, we can do it, boys, we can do it. My mother can do it. That's what he used to say. His mother was a great football player. That's what I always imagined. I even said that one day and I had to run till I fell down. So the rule of that is never talk about your coach's mama. Just don't do it. Don't go there. Love the mama going, I know she was a wonderful lady and she could bench press 400 pounds. See, God has prepared a place for us and he hadn't prepared it for us to fail. He's prepared it for us to win. God wants us to win. He's made it where we can win. And how do we win? Well, we have hope. We look to where we are going. And where are we going? If you're newly married, you're imagining a home that has love. You're imagining a life that has life more abundantly. You're imagining new life and birth. If you're a young person, you're imagining school and education and growing and getting a job. If you're an older couple, you're imagining growing older together. If you are walking the journey with your church family, you're imagining a place of great peace and hope. If you are struggling with issues in life, you're imagining a better world where you're able to overcome. If you cannot walk, you're imagining a day when you can run. See, if you can dream it, God can make it happen no matter what it is, if it's on his path, if it's part of his purpose. See, I, I just, it's amazing. It's amazing what God does. God takes just a little bit. He takes the smallest part and he takes it and he says, if you let this grow in your heart, you can overcome all things. And we are a testimony to that. The Christian faith should have been crushed a long time ago. Every despot in history that's been guided by Satan has tried to kill it. And the devil's trying to kill it now. You can't even have a good Christian woman die without the media bashing her. What is wrong with America? They only uh, attack us when we're alive. No, now they're attacking us when we're dead. They're in open war against us. God forbid you put a Chick-fil-A in New York City because they said it's a deadly infestation of Christianity in sacred New York City. I've been to New York City. It's not sacred. And Lord have mercy, nothing wrong with Chick-fil-A. Except they're not open on Sundays. Which I understand. But I tell you right now, my faith doesn't come by law. It comes... By grace. See, my cup, it overfloweth. That's what it says here. You anoint my head with oil. That means, by the way, you're a priest. I had my head anointed by two bishops. It took two. <laughs> Bishop Joe Bethay and Bishop C.P. Minnick. And I remember when they laid hands on me and the oil was pouring over my head and I didn't have my beard then and I wished I would have because it was going down my chin and it was falling off and I stood up and I looked like one of those WWE wrestlers. You know, I was all old down. I was ready to go and take on the world and its sin. God's anointing you right now. 
He's saying to you, you're going to get old up. We're going to get ready, boys, and we're going to make the fight count. We're going to take it to them. We're not going to step back. We're going to march through the valley. We're going to say no to sin and death, and we're going to keep on going because we're not stopping. We're not stopping. We're going. And that's what God is saying to us. He's saying that I have prepared something for you, and which one among us would not hurry home to get some good biscuits? He's prepared a table, it says, before you. He has made it where we can go and get a meal together. I have been known to drive from the mountains to the coast to get a good biscuit. Now, Leona can cook. You can look at me and testify to that. I can tell you right now, and she'll get on me about this. I'm in trouble already. There's not the whomping of biscuits on the counter that there used to be. Used to, she'd walk those biscuits, they'd open up, she'd cook them. Now we don't, we don't eat so much, but don't get on me. Because this morning I, I, I woke up at 5 o'clock and my pillow was somehow all weirdly adjusted around my head. You're wondering where this is going, and I'll tell you. My pillow was messed up, and I got angry at the pillow because it wouldn't do what a pillow's supposed to do. And I'm not buying one of those my pillows. I can't understand how a person can talk five hours about a pillow, but they do on those commercials. And that man invented that pillow and he's very rich now and he's probably a good man. But that pillow of mine isn't a my pillow and it wouldn't go the way I did and I tried to pull on that pillow and tug on that pillow and somehow my hand came loose from the pillow and I punched myself in the eye this morning. <laughs> right in the eye. I'm seeing spots right now in my eye right here. Some of you I don't even see. You're, you're spotted out. See, the valley's not only what the world brings on us, sometimes we're beating ourselves up. So y'all pray for my eye that I can be able to see in, a, in just a good way. But I can't believe I was so dumb. And that's what Leona said. I can't believe you punched yourself in the eye. I think spouses are given to remind us. That we're not too bright. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that God has prepared for us a table that even if we come out of the valley punched and, and beaten and hurt, God has a better place for us where there's a table that's been prepared and he's anointing our head with oil and he's given us a cup that's not halfway, you know, just one way. It's like it's overflowing. If you go to the Gerald house in the mountains over there, uh, they'll have tea and they got somebody on constant guard who if your tea glass gets down one sip, they'll run over there and fill it up again. If you try to drink it real fast, they'll run over there and fill it up again. See, the Lord isn't letting it run dry. He's filling it up to its overflowing. In other words, God is providing more than enough on this journey for us to not only be successful, but for us to be winners and for us to claim the prize that is before us. And the reason we know that is not only where we're going to, but the scripture says this, and this is often overlooked because it's the end of the scripture. It's says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. You can tell you're on the right path, not by where you're going, by seeing heaven, but you can tell it by where you've been. And if your life is a story of goodness and mercy, if you have shown compassion, by the way, the old adage that one of our families in the church uses if you don't have anything good to say about somebody, don't say anything. One of our families uses that adage as a family adage. If our culture could get that now, 
Because it seems like all they say is bad even when it's a lie. See, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. In other words, our legacy is secure. We leave a story of goodness and mercy where we have shown mercy to other people and they show mercy to others. And it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So I know it's going to be hard, but it can be done. When the world tries to go to war, you go to peace. When the world goes to hate, you go to love. When the world goes to quit, you go to not only am I not quitting, I'm going to win. Boston Marathon was run the other day. You remember a few years back, crazy people tried to blow up Boston Marathon. Came up with the logo, you know, Boston what? Boston Strong. There was a woman who won it the other day. She was an American, first time in 30 years or so, a long time. And she ran in the rain. The marathon was in the rain. A lot of people pulled out because it was raining so hard, but she kept running. And even the people that were supposed to win started falling back because I read they do not train in the rain. They only train when it's sunny. So it rained on them and they didn't know what to do. <laughs> they didn't know how to put that one step in front of another and make sure you didn't fall on the slippery rocks and to keep your mind focused and to be able to pace yourself and know that it is there. All you have to do is run. And this lady, she ran through the rain and she won the Boston Marathon. <laughs> and the people looked at her and they said, she's a champion. She looked at herself and she knew what the truth is. She's not a survivor. I know. I know for those that have been wounded. I know some, they claim that title in their life. But you're not a survivor. Because if you're a survivor, you're looking behind you. You're saying that defines me. That sorrow makes me. No, you are a champion. That's what you are. See, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And then you get the prize that's beyond all prizes. The thing that I have entrusted my total belief in, the house of God. And I have a room there. And it's a room that is my room. It's a room where I'm able to be with my father. It's a room where my heavenly father, he guides me into things that I cannot even imagine that are going to happen. Just imagine. Imagine your life no longer filled with age and with circumstance. Imagine life where you no longer punch yourself in the eye on a Sunday morning and see spots during the sermon. Imagine life where you're not crippled or you're not maimed or you're not broken or you're not hurt. Imagine a life where you're not afraid anymore and you're able to be all that God wants you to be. Imagine these things and they will come to be. It's not just quantum physics that says this. It's faith that says this. Jesus is saying, do you see it? Now believe it. Let us pray. Dear Lord, help us to claim this path that we are on. You are the shepherd who guides us. You restore and you provide and you prepare. 
Lord, help us to claim the prize that awaits us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.